Hi, hello, and welcome to K Out and About, a podcast about my random travel occurrences. This is season one, episode 20, the WTF. And again, some time has passed. In between work, my thesis, my exams, my essays, I hardly managed to prepare anything for you. But finally, I had some time. The Christmas break has arrived and New Year's is gone. I mean, basically, Happy New Year 2020. But I finally managed it. I finally managed to prepare a new episode. And in my stories, we're back in London and we're talking about mm, stuff. And I'll start with the quality of life and living conditions. They are, in simple words, shit. Hence the title of the episode. I would like to stress, though, that I was lucky most of the time. Stuff housing was rough, but it was just for about a year and a half, and other two places were very decent. Although, of course, I will still point out reasons to complain. Basically, unless you robbed a bank, you won't be able to afford a decent place to live in London. As simple as that. Renting is very expensive, buying even more... My friends have had mice in their apartments, mold is almost a given, sharing is as obvious as daylight. Once I actually knew a girl who had to share her bed. Yes, you heard me right, she was sharing her bed. There was a double bed in her room, the room that she was renting, and the owner decided that two people could live there, and it wasn't necessary if they knew each other. So yeah, she was, rent- she was sharing a bed with a girl she did not know before. Oh, and do you remember that little room underneath the stairs that Harry Potter was living in? Well, in London, years ago, of course. You could rent one like that and live Potter-like under the staircase for about 300 quid a month. So yes, a dream come true. Now, bathrooms and kitchens are usually in the poorest conditions. The last time I was looking to rent in London, it was actually the good state of the bathroom that made me say yes right away. I just knew how rare it was. Normally what you see are old appliances, I mean generally just horribly looking bathrooms. Uh, The appliances can be even rusty, Uh, often of course the two bloody faucets in the sink or the tub. So you have to buy a plastic adapter uh, to even have something resembling a shower. Now I remember the kitchen In the first place that I lived at, uh, we all had a go at it. Uh, We all cleaned it at some point, to no avail. It was just shit. And the bathroom at that place was also the reason why I joined the gym. I just wanted to have a normal, working, clean shower. And of course, I didn't, you know, want to have to see the bathroom made dirty by certain male flatmates. Yes, stereotypes are alive. Let's move on to the next issue. Insulations and windows, well, they're usually crap as well. So it's often cold inside for most of the year, even with double glazed windows, which I had at the last place I was living at. Or if the summer is actually hot for a week, then uh, you have nothing to breathe with inside. The mold I have mentioned already, although again, personally, I didn't have to deal with it. Uh, I was lucky 
but I have heard and seen horror stories. I mean, I visited my friend once and uh, they just got a second kid and the, the bedroom was just covered, like the whole corner was just covered in mold. They had to, they had to move out. Now, all those houses that I've seen, for example, around London, they're very similar or they have similar features or styles, uh, like those narrow stairs you have to, you know, to take to go up. And they're always covered with this one kind of carpet. No matter what color, you know you're in the UK when you're standing on the stairs and your feet touch that carpet. And then the bay windows on the ground floor so that everyone on the street can see what you're up to. Uh, the wide doors to the bathroom. Um, and if the toilets are separate, they're always freezing for some reason. I mean, very simply, there's no heating inside. And I swear to you, I have only been in one house that I remember, I mean, there might have been two, where the bathroom was actually nice. Everything else is normally below the average of bathrooms anywhere else in Europe. Again, I mean on average. And the, the two rich, posh people's houses I have visited, uh, they had pictures in guest bathrooms. Like, for example, with John Major shaking the dad's hand for, you know, a very bizarre experience when, you know, you're trying to pee. So as I mentioned, my first accommodation was a stuff house. I won't deny that part of the very quick move to London was the fact that the hotel was offering stuff housing. Uh, it saved me a lot of trouble and a lot of money I would have otherwise spent trying to find a place to live. But oh, what did I get myself into? At some point, I think there were seven of us living there. Uh, there was only one tiny single room at three double ones and the one bathroom I mentioned before for all seven of us. The garden was a jungle. The kitchen was, yeah, dirty and shit. Uh, the hall was uh, just always cold. I called it the subarctic temperatures. And the living room stank like hell because it was the only place we agreed it was allowed to smoke. Oh, and the TV. <laughs> the, the image was purple. We still watched it. And I remember the home and away soap and not being able to figure out where it was taking place. I wasn't familiar with, you know, all the accents at the time, but I didn't know enough about the UK to know that there were no palm trees on the sandy beaches anywhere where people walk in bikinis all day long and surf. By the way, for the ones that don't know, uh, it's in Australia. <laughs> and the soap, basically home and away, it's the start for everybody. I think Kaylee Minogue was there as a child or a teenager. Either one or all the Hemsworths are st were starting there as well. So yeah, that's the bold and beautiful of Australia. Now, back to the TV set. Uh, we had a visit from, a, call it a controller, from a TV licensing agency or whatever they're called. They, they basically come around and test if you're watching TV without paying the license. And of course, clearly we didn't have one because it was a stuff house. So the hotel didn't care and we didn't either. So he came and he asked if we watched the TV. And of course we said no. He turned it on, waited five minutes until it started showing up any image after a nice warm up. He saw that the picture was purple and agreed, of course, that it was impossible to use it. And this is how we avoided paying any kind of fines. I have also learned a very important lesson there at the stuff house. Foxes tear up your trash. Because 
We didn't have those normal trash cans like you see in many civilized places. No, 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 no. On our street, once a week, we had to leave all the trash bags uh, we were collecting for seven days from seven people. We had to leave them out on the street. God forbid you forgot, because, you know, who remembers to take out the trash at 6 or 7 a.m. when you're working in hotel industry at most ridiculous hours? So it did happen a few times that we forgot, and the little space between the glass door and the front door was just full of trash. Imagine the smell. So then someone thought, okay, let's leave it outside in the evening, you know, the evening before or at night when we come back from work. Bad idea. By the time the truck came to collect it, it was spread all over the street because the foxes were hungry. We did have to deal with mad neighbors because of that quite a few times, I must say. Now, the house might have been shitty, but I have some awesome memories from there. First of all, I have met Aneta on the 14th of February. We still celebrate our anniversary by sending each other messages on that day, not connected to the other celebrations on the 14th of February. Shout out to her, of course. We met three days after I arrived at the UK and uh, she was living at Buckley Avenue. That's by the name, by the way, the address of the house, of the stuff house. I don't think the hotel owes it, uh, owns it anymore. So I guess I can say where it was roughly. Anyway, uh, she was living there as well. But at the time when I arrived, she was at home uh, in Poland. And on the 14th in the evening, I was home alone because everybody was working as it was Valentine's Day. So everyone was quite busy in the very fancy hotel we were working at. But since I was new, nobody had time to train me. So I was off. And suddenly I hear someone opening the door. And there she is, Aneta, with her massive suitcase, standing in the hall. So I peek out of the living room. She looks at me, obviously a bit freaked out because she doesn't know me and she didn't know I was supposed to be there and who the fuck am I? And we started talking. Two hours later, we're still standing in the hall with the unpacked suitcase with Aneta still in her coat and we're still talking. So I helped her up the stairs with the suitcase and we kept talking, even though she was standing in front of her door, but we just couldn't stop. It was love at first sight. And we still, whenever we meet or we talk uh, you know, over the phone, it's hours and hours, even if we spoke recently. So yeah, shout out to her. The first one, probably of a few during this episode. So well, the thing with Stuff House, though, is that you work with people you live with. And it became tough when I started working as a night manager. Because I shared a room with a crazy woman. I really liked the girl, but she was mental. 19 or 20 years old, smoking a pack and a half of Red Marlboros a day. And she had the thickest Austrian dialect ever. But she would also turn on her dryer, a hair dryer at 2 p.m. while I was trying to fucking sleep as it was the middle of the night for me. Um, I also heard her once having sex with someone while I was sleeping. Like she brought just a random dude home in the middle of the night. I had earplugs, by the way. And oh, I got mad. I threw them out. Uh, well, I threw them out of the room, told them to go to the living room and fuck there. Uh, luckily, HR agreed finally to give me the only single room. And from then on, my hatred was aimed solely towards the ice cream truck. How I hate that sound, that melody till this day. 
Because for over a year, every single day, at around 3 p.m., while I was deep asleep, it drove by with that melody. Yes, I, I do have my issues still with it. The next place I lived at was on Queen's Road in the center of Wimbledon with Pascal, my dear French friend and roommate for about two and a half, three years, if I'm not mistaken. We each had our own bedroom. Uh, we had a nice living room, kitchen, bathroom, and I must say it was almost a luxury. It wasn't cheap. In, you know in total but we really enjoyed it and you know we even had a working tv a normal one which after buckley was a total upgrade by the way we did pay tv license then okay so yeah and god bless people in those days who didn't have passwords on their wi-fi's because otherwise yeah i don't know how we would have survived it <laughs> you know watching movies because yeah british tv is uh... let's leave that for another episode maybe Anyway, I actually moved in with Pascal because somebody missed out on it. Pascal was supposed to meet someone, uh, a girl we both knew, because we used to work together at the hotel, um, all three of us. And the girl was supposed to meet Pascal and check out the, the place, because Pascal was moving in, like, literally the next day. And she never showed up. But I was there, because we were having a tea or coffee with Pascal and some other people, and Pascal knew I was about to leave Canizara, which meant also I needed a place to live because, you know, stuff house was not an option anymore. So she just asked me, do you want to move in? And because I knew Pascal, uh, I knew what kind of person she was. I was like, yes, please. Of course, I'll move in with you. So, yes, we, we lived together for about, as I said, like almost three years, I think. And it was the first place where... It wasn't actually embarrassing to invite uh, our non-UK friends over. People living in the UK, uh, they know the conditions of, you know, staff accommodation wouldn't have been such a shock for them. But people who didn't live in the UK simply had no idea. And I think it was a little bit too much to explain or would have been too much to explain. It would have been the sort of a what the fuck moment for many of them. Because if you never lived in London, you just don't know. You don't know. You can't. I mean, you can't imagine it, obviously. But yeah, you you don't you don't get it. So Queens Road was finally a place where I could tell friends, yes, come over. And we even had mattresses for the living room for our guests. And of course, shout out to Pascal. Uh, we had our own small tradition of traveling during Easter every year. But then unfortunately, life and lack of money came in between. And we haven't seen each other for a few years now. Since I moved to Sweden, actually. And now she has a family of her own, a husband and a daughter. So I have to figure out how to get my ass over there for a visit. Let's get back to the accommodations. After the two and a half or three years at Queen's Road, Pascal was going back to France. And I was on the lookout for a new apartment, which became my last one in London. Um, where Pascal also visited me from time to time. And it was on Warple Road. And that is, that it's the same, roughly the same area, just a little bit closer to Rains Park rather than Wimbledon, but still not far. Still the fancy side of the railway tracks. 
that was uh, that was the one that convinced me to say yes with the state of its bathroom by the way i had a tiny studio to myself on the top floor uh, just had to share the said bathroom with whoever lived in the bigger studio opposite uh, in the hall the house itself was occupied by a mom with two daughters and it was quite beautiful i must say like you see them sometimes in some british movies and it had a garden oh and cats forgot to mention the cats bubbles and rainbow if i remember right uh, both black as night well, one of them was i think more grayish uh, with a very long hair and they were very moody i didn't have much to do with them apart from uh, if the family left for a holiday and i was around i fed them and i'm beginning to see a pattern here in my life hmm. well anyway one other thing that uh, some of my friends might remember some of my friends that visited me there might remember that my landlady bore a huge resemblance to the actress Tilda Swinton so if i'm talking about my landlady from the uk i'll be calling her my tilda from now on just you know to avoid using real names at first there was a couple living uh, across the hall and it even turned out that the girl uh, that was living there i actually worked with her at the same company but well we hardly saw each other cuz i was at the gym a lot we had different shifts different hours so uh, they also moved out maybe 6 months after i moved in maybe a little bit longer i don't remember exactly but after them there was another couple and that was the best one ever a polish couple and you know they're not the best ever because they were polish but it definitely helped and i'm talking about meggy and jacob uh, those are their english names by the way and for whatever reason i still use those when i speak english about them we became friends very quickly super lovely people i was even invited to their wedding and i still visit them when i'm in london oh actually no scratch that both of them and two other people in my life are the reason i still visit london well not as much as before money is tight and i don't have to go to the gp there anymore but yes i go to see them and i always stay at their place they always have a spare mattress for me and they also feed me quite well as they are all about healthy food so shout out to them they were amazing neighbors and they're still very good friends after they moved out it, it was just going down the hill first i think there was an italian guy who had no idea how to flush a toilet or clean after himself then i might get the order wrong but i think there there was, there was this young boy set for oxford or cambridge law school whichever because he was so smart and oh yes Uh, he was also rich or parents were rich as it turned out and it was the first time he was out in the world without mommy and daddy oh it, oh dear it just was a disaster he got his first job in a temping agency in london and once the fancy expensive shampoos and shower gels from ted baker ran out the little bugger started using mine but as i was traveling a lot uh, for work and yeah you know, i'll just i just have taken all my stuff out of the bathroom i just i think i just left the toothbrush and i just put it in my room so he was forced to buy a uh, tesco brand cosmetics or was it sainsbury's whatever one time he was even complaining to me that he had so many hard choices to make in life now like either to go out with his buddies or to buy a toothpaste oh my god he also messed up the shower head uh, blocked the drain in the sink uh 
he blew up his microwave because he put something in there that was metal. <laughs> and I had to teach him how to use a plunger. Oh, and one night uh, he texted me, like in the middle, literally, like it was maybe 1 or 2 a.m. And I was for work, I don't know, in Germany maybe, I don't remember. So he texted me that he forgot his keys and if I could let him in. Uh, bad luck, my phone was on silent, so I only saw the message in the morning. I had no clue what happened. I think he probably had to wake, wake up uh, Tilda uh, and, her, and or her daughters. He lasted, I think, maybe about three or four months. Uh, he got tummy aches, and so he couldn't work anymore, and his mom came over to take care of him. And then in the end, they have decided that, you know, he should maybe just go back home and then to, then to uni next semester. Uh, we did have a good laugh with, uh, with Tilda afterwards. I mean, it, it was hilarious. He was a pain in the ass, but afterwards, it, afterwards it was hilarious. Uh, then there were, I think, two other guys, one after another. Uh, quite decent, but as I was traveling, I didn't have much to do with them at all. As long, you know, as the bathroom was clean, I didn't really care. I, uh, one name I remember, the second one, I, I don't know. One of the last people who stayed there was a lady from South Africa who came to the UK because her son was living in London. And, uh, but she, you know, she had no other family, so she moved uh, to the UK. Very energetic woman. And oh my God, the horror stories she could tell you about, about South Africa generally, like, shocking. Her husband got shot in their driveway and she saw people getting shot because they wouldn't give their cell phone to thieves on the street fucking scary anyway uh, she got herself a little cottage outside of london in the end and then moved there and i think the last person to move in before i left was a young guy with very little luggage which impressed me greatly i mean having moved around a bit i know a few things about packing and you know what kind of pain in the ass it can be and then, but then I saw a hairdryer sticking out of his suitcase and it just made me laugh. I'm, I'm weird at this department, like I might be old school, I don't know. I do find it funny when guys who have short hair need to have a hairdryer. I mean, I've had the same, the same one for the last 10, 12 years and I, I don't really always use it. In any case, there were many people that went through that one studio in the seven and a half years I was living there. And I must say, I was very sad to leave. Not the UK, no. I really did like the house and the family that lived there. One time when all flights got cancelled for Christmas due to a tiny bit of snow at Heathrow, they have actually invited me to celebrate with them. And it was the first time I saw British Christmas firsthand with all the Brussels sprouts and the turkey and the Christmas crackers, the paper crowns, the bad jokes, uh, the early drinking, and the Queen's speech. And this is, this is also how I knew um, that my landlady, although she had a very good business on her own, like she was making good money on her own, she came from so-called older money, maybe not super old money, but definitely older money. Um, the whole family was really well educated and you could get that in the UK in most cases only with money, at least that kind of education. So I do think about her and her daughters with a bit of nostalgia, um, although I do got to tell you <laughs> one thing. From what I have seen generally in my life, 
there's this kind of kids that always leave uh, a mess after themselves. They're usually the ones where, you know, where the family could afford someone to clean. And there was at least sort of once a week or once a month, always someone coming to Warple Road to kind of give the house a clean, always very thorough person. And I always counted myself as a messy child, not after what I've seen. I actually took a picture, or I think it might have been even a video, of one of the girls' rooms, um, and I showed it to my mom to prove to her that I was never a messy kid, in comparison, obviously. That was just, that was another thing. Like, as I was living on the top floor and I had to go sort of through, you know, the whole house, and on the way there were everyone's bedrooms, and the girls would just leave the doors wide open so you could see exactly, you know, what was in there. But then I found out that they kind of grew up living with au pairs their whole life, and that just kind of explained a lot of laid-backness about strange people in the house, because I had so many guests staying over, sometimes even when I wasn't there, and they never asked any questions. They're just, you know, random people going through the house. Um, the day I moved in, for example, I didn't have the keys, and it was the younger sister who opened the door, and she might have been, I don't know, 13, 14 at the time? She never saw me before, and I was just standing there with a huge backpack and a suitcase, and I think my friend was with me. And I said, oh, hi, I'm moving in today, and she just let me in. And she was home alone, in her PGs, I think. And you have no idea how many times as well I would come back from work or from somewhere and uh, the house keys would be in the door, on the outside. Or sometimes even the door wide open because, you know, somebody came back with uh, shopping, a lot of shopping, and, you know, they didn't have a hand to <laughs> to close the door. But I do miss them and sometimes I do wonder what they're up to these days. Okay, this episode is getting much longer than it was supposed to be, so I will shut up now. And I will tell you more, of course, in some later episodes about my different jobs and maybe a few things more about living in London. But in the meantime, actually, we will take a break from me talking as I manage to convince another victim to record an interview. So the next episode will be titled, We Will Not Use the B Word. Thanks for listening and until next time.